1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Do you ever wonder what the will of God is? What is the will of God? Well, Paul says very plainly, In everything give thanks, for this is what? The will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In everything give thanks. So if you wonder what the will of God is, there it is. The will of God for you is to give thanks for all of us. Have you taken anything for granted? You think, how many of you think you've taken something for granted? Most of us have along the way. We have religious freedom in our country. Did you know that in 75% of the world, they do not have religious freedom as we know it? They're very oppressed. They live under severe religious restrictions. Do you have freedom to make your own decisions? I mean, some of us are married, but anyway, freedom to make your own decisions, right? She'll forgive me. She loves me. Did you know that there are 29.8 million people in our world that still live under slavery? Hard to believe, isn't it? Do you have some money in the bank? Did you know that 2.5 billion adults in our world do not have money in a bank anywhere? And a lot of them don't have enough money to put in, in a bank anyway. Do you own a pair of shoes? Or several? I was talking to someone about boots earlier, and they have, most of us have lots of shoes, right? And uh, we won't get into that, but do you know that over 300 million children in our world do not have a pair of shoes? Did you drink clean water this morning, or shower, or bathe in it? 1.1 billion people in our world do not have that privilege. Do you have a roof over your head? Did you know that 100 million people in our world are homeless and 1.6 billion of them live in inadequate shelter? Why do I bring all that up? It really brings you down, doesn't it? Because the Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget what? None, not any of His benefits. That we're to be a people who are thankful daily Warren Wiersbe said, I have felt for a long time that one of the particular temptations of the maturing Christian is the danger of getting accustomed to his blessings. Like the world traveler who's been everywhere and seen everything, the maturing Christian is in danger of taking his blessings for granted and getting so accustomed to them that they fail to excite him as they once did. Emerson said that if the stars came out only once a year, everybody would stay up all night to behold them. We have seen the stars so often that we don't bother to look at them anymore. We have grown accustomed to our blessings. But the Scripture says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. What about us as Christians? In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Every one of them come from Him, don't they? So I want to talk about three things this morning that we need to be reminded to not take for granted, that we have the privilege of being thankful for. It's just, there's so many privileges to this life, so many blessings that if we're not careful, we take them for granted. And the first one is the privilege of salvation, of knowing that we're saved. You know that if you, if you have the assurance of the Holy Spirit and of salvation, you know that when you take your last breath here, you'll be in the presence of God. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't that a glorious thing to stop and think about? 
For God, what? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we know that there are three phases of that salvation. The first one is that we are justified. We're justified through faith in Christ. The Bible says in John 1.12, As many as received him, to them he gave the right or the privilege or the honor or the power to become children of God, sons and daughters of God. As many of us as received him, who are born not of blood or the will of man, but born of God. Jesus said you must be born again. He gives us this privilege of salvation, of being justified before God. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says that Christ died for all, the just, the perfect, the righteous, for the unjust, the unrighteous, you and me, in order that he may bring us to Christ. That Jesus, in that cross, when his arms were spread out, he was taking the hand of God and bringing it into our hands and reconciling us as he died on the cross for us, giving us justification making us as though we had never sinned, just as if we had never sinned. In Isaiah, so many years before Christ, 700 years before, He said, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to His own way. But the Lord has laid on Him, pounded on Him, punished Him for the iniquity of us all. Are you thankful today to be justified before a holy God? To think that Jesus took the wrath of God in his own body on that tree and became a curse in my place. I should not just be thankful for that today, but every day, shouldn't I? For I've been justified before God. I don't understand it. It's too wonderful. But it is something that should stir gratefulness in our hearts. But not only are we justified, but we're sanctified. It means to be set apart. It means to be holy. And How many of you feel like you're holy? Well, the Bible says that as soon as you become a Christian, that Jesus gives His righteousness to you. The Bible says that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That somehow God looks at us now as righteous people and we are sanctified, we are set apart. And that's something that happens as soon as we come to know Christ. It is a positional thing. In Christ we are sanctified. But it's also something that is a progressive thing that happens from day to day. We are being moved, the Scripture says, from faith to faith. That from one area to another, Jesus said, if any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. How often? Every day and follow after me. Day by day by day, I'm taking up the cross. I'm seeking to put this old man to death. I am working on sanctification and holiness because I want to be used of God and for His glory because He's been so good to me. How could I do less than to sanctify myself and give myself to Him? Before Jesus went to the cross as He prayed that high priestly prayer in John 17, He prayed for your sanctification and mine. And you remember how He prayed? He said, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. And so if you want to be sanctified, you pick this up, you read it, you digest it, you pray it in, and you live it out. You live a sanctified, holy life before God. It doesn't mean you're better than other people. It just means you're usable in the hands of a God who is looking for servants. So to be justified, to be 
sanctified. It's such a magnificent thing. I love the verse in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, it says that while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of Christ. But listen to the last part. Much more than having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We are reconciled through His death. He did it in our place. But we are daily saved by His life. For we serve a risen Savior, don't we? He's in the world today. I know that He's living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. He walks with me. He talks with me. He's personal to me. That's what's revolutionary about being a Christian. There's no other religion in this world. It says that you can know God in a personal, intimate way. Jesus said, if you'll open the door of your heart to me, I will come in and I will dine with you and you with me. We will have fellowship with one another. I'll speak to you and you can speak to me. You can have the ear of the God of the universe through your advocate. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Glory to His holy name. He is in the process. He who began a work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful that He's, he's still working on us day by day? Be patient. You've seen that little sign, haven't you? Be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. But I'll guarantee you, once you become a Christian and the Spirit of God lives within you, He'll never give up. He'll, he'll get out the hammer sometimes and whack you with it. Or he'll, He will always be working in your heart and life because He is preparing us for eternity and He's preparing us for service here in this world. So we're justified and we're sanctified and one day we'll be glorified. One day we'll step into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you just imagine? I can't. You just can't. It's just going to be, you're going to be blown away. It'll, it'll take the first million years, you'll just be blown away, I think. Don't you? I mean, unbelievable. We know that when we see Him, we shall be like Him. I don't know about you, but I'm not like Him. I'm a depraved human being. Saved by the grace of God. But when I step into His presence, I'm going to be perfect in every way and so are you. What a magnificent thought. Aren't you glad today? Aren't you thankful for this wonderful gift of salvation? And if you've taken for granted, it's a good day to hit your knees and say, thank you God for giving me this wonderful hope that I have in Christ. But secondly, we need to be thankful for the privilege of prayer, of knowing God. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God fell on a few people, on some prophets and priests and some kings and some others. And the priests were the ones who represented God to men and men to God. They made the sacrifices. And... But now all of us have become priests, the Bible says, a kingdom of priests. In the Old Testament, the priests could only go into the Holy of Holies and that only once a year. But now we all have access to this throne of God in Matthew chapter 27. If you want to look there with me in Matthew chapter 27, you're familiar with this, but it's such a fantastic story. And again, when you read these things, you know, when we're all in here together and we're thinking about what's going on in this passage, I want you to get a mental picture in your mind and think about what's going on here. Jesus is dying on the cross. 
And in verse 50 of Matthew 27, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple, that great separator between God and men, the veil of the temple was torn in two. How? From the top to the bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after His resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Have you stopped to think this week or any time lately about how desperately, how desperately God wants a relationship with people? He, he wanted that so much that He gave His only Son that, that when Jesus died... He took that curtain and with His mighty hands ripped it from top to bottom and said, please come in, please come in, please come in and relate to me and be my friend and let me be your friend. We have access to God's very presence. It's a provision of God that we're thankful for. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, it says Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who come to Him and that He ever lives to make intercession for us. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now, today? He's praying for you and He's praying for me. Aren't you glad that Jesus prays for you all the time? Until the time comes when the Father says, go get my children, He's going to keep praying for us day by day by day. But the good news is it's not just Him. Jesus is up there in heaven at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. But He has given us the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Holy Spirit, what? Intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. And that word groanings means, it means like a deep sigh. Have you ever been so discouraged or so overwhelmed with something that all you could do is just sigh and you didn't know the words, but... The Scripture says that He intercedes for us with groanings that are deeper than that. There is a depth to that. And so, if Jesus is interceding for us in heaven, and Christ and the Spirit of God intercedes for us on earth, in and through us, then how can we ever be defeated? Are you thankful for this privilege of prayer? How is your prayer life? If I have to, you know, if we stopped right now and say, hey, what did God tell you this week in your prayer time? Would you have a testimony? You know, it's a good time at Thanksgiving to stop and say, you know, this is a privilege. This is an honor. This is a blessing. I should never take this for granted. And I need to come before God's throne of grace. Do you think, how many of you think our nation needs help? Of course we do. Do you believe what God said in 2 Chronicles chapter 7? If my people, that's you and me, He didn't say if all those wicked sinners out there would just straighten up. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then, and turn from their wicked ways, by the way, he said, then will I hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins and then I will heal their land. You know what? You and I can complain about all the politicians. And I kind of like to do that because they're, they're easy, right? They just make it so easy. But it doesn't do a whole lot of good if we, 
who are called by the name of our God do not intercede on behalf of our nation and our world. You and I have really been given through prayer the power of life and death. And it's a heavy responsibility, isn't it? So while we're fussing and complaining, don't forget to pray. We're thankful for the privilege of salvation, thankful for prayer, and then last of all, the, the privilege of just serving, of, of being a servant of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. Look back there in Matthew chapter 5 with me. It's the Sermon on the Mount. The greatest sermon ever preached. In verse 13. He says, you. Who? You. Who is you? That's those people. Who are children of God. The Most High God. And the word means you and you alone. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Isn't that a privilege and a joy? To be able to be salty people in a world that's decaying? Isn't that, that's what they used salt for in Jesus' day. It was to, to stop things from decaying. They didn't have, they didn't, they never, they'd never even met General Electric. This is preservation, he said. If you want to preserve your culture, if you want to preserve your family, you've got to be salty. You've got to be people who are, who are not part of the decay. Sometimes, as the church, we're part of the decay instead of the preservation. And that doesn't mean we won't stumble and we won't fall because we're all sinners and we're very imperfect, aren't we? But still, we're called to be salt. Do y'all like to go to these fancy dinners? Y'all ever been to one of those? You've got to get all dressed up. You've got to make sure you use the right fork and you use your napkin right. And you can't use your sleeve. and It's just the pits and... You got to know what fork to use, and and they have these little old bitty salt shakers with little holes on the top, and you're going. My great grandfather begs. My daddy said that he had a he had a metal salt shaker, but it wasn't working good enough, so he took a nail and poked some bigger holes in the top. That's what Jesus means. Be salty. This isn't the time for elegance. This is the time for saltiness in a world that's decaying. In the light of the world. It dispels darkness. We live in a dark world. And so when you sit down with your family this Thursday, where God has provided His pinch of salt and His incredible light, even in your darkest hours, right? And most of us have been there. We've been through some dark things. But aren't you thankful for that preservation of the grace of God and the light in the midst of our darkness? 
And when we look around at those wonderful faces and we see that wonderful food and we think of the blessings of God, let us stop and think, there's just no way we could ever keep all of this to ourselves. Don't be like an uncle of mine who always prayed with one eye open. I got a story I want to share with you as we finish this morning, but as as we just think about these simple but wonderful, precious things, Fred Craddock was a professor of preaching and a pastor to pastors, a famous speaker. He was teaching a lot of preachers one day, and he talked about consecration, and he said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious, to pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go in a blaze of glory. We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a thousand dollar bill and laying it on the table. Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in that thousand dollars for quarters. And we go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. You listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. You go to a committee meeting. You know what I heard a guy say about committee meetings one time? He said, that's called the Baptist purgatory. You're going to get points for that. You You give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't that glorious. It's done in all these little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory, but maybe it's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. Now, I don't suggest that you be stingy with your quarters and nickels and dimes and whatever God has given you to share. But I suggest for myself and for all of us today that we stop and thank God for this gift that He's justified us, that God looks at us through the lens of justification and that He's working on us and growing us and sanctifying us day by day and that one day we'll be glorified. That He's given this this gift that somehow when I speak in the name of Jesus, the ear of Almighty God bends down to hear my voice. And says, I love you, son. Thank you for visiting with me today. I want to give you the desires of your heart if you will delight in me. And then he says, but don't forget, this isn't for your benefit alone. For there is a world that's decaying that needs my salt and it's dark that needs my light. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray today?